0: Good morning. I'll be uh, studying this morning from uh, the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 37, and I promise this is not something out of a horror movie. And though uh, when we look at this vision, there are things that come to my mind that remind me of every cheesy horror movie that I watched. One in particular where this skeleton comes up out of the grave and and the uh, Muscles just kind of form back on it, and then skin comes back over it, and it gives a wicked smile and says, I live again. (laughs) It's not anything like that. So (laughs) nothing to be afraid of. And so uh, turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 37, beginning there in verse 1, uh, down through verse 14 is where we're going to be studying. And so uh, before we get into the text... You know, Ezekiel is a prophet of God. Uh, Sometimes, uh, you know, different prophets have different things for which they are known, uh, such as uh, Jeremiah. He is known as the weeping prophet because of all the tears that he sheds uh, because of Israel's impending capture. You know, we might then uh, refer to Ezekiel as kind of the peculiar prophet because God calls him to prophesy uh, on this occasion, to a bunch of dry bones, he has some peculiar things that that God calls upon him to do from time to time. Now, in this uh, vision of dry bones, this valley of dry bones, it's a vision about dry bones coming to life. Bones, uh, you know, they're normally associated with death. You see a skull laying out. You know, you go walk across a cow pasture and you see a a, a cow skull laying out there, or a thigh bone and and you, you you look at it and you think, well, you know, something died here, something is dead, and so we see that and we associate it with death. Uh, here uh, in this vision, we're also going to hopefully, when we're done, we'll associate that with the potential for life, at least uh, spiritually speaking. And so uh, the vision takes place here during the time that Judah had been carried away into Babylonian exile. It was a prophecy of the restoration of Judah to the land of Canaan. It was fulfilled in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah. And so as we uh, begin here, beginning in verse 1, down to verse 10, we're going to just kind of observe the vision here, the vision of the valley of dry bones. Uh, It says there in verse 1, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord. And set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And, and you know, I almost picture like, like a battlefield. And I've not been to a, a battlefield like this. But, you know, they, uh, they've uncovered battlefields uh, like up in uh, uh, the Custer Battlefield. And, and they find it where the various people died and they were just left to rot. Uh, And so uh, there's a lot of evidence, and so you kind of come into this valley, and you see all of these bones there, and you think, someone has lost a major battle, a battle uh, in which uh, we have been completely destroyed and defeated. And so that's kind of what uh, he sees here, this valley that is filled with bones like a great battlefield. And it says in verse 2, and caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, There were very, very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? So notice, he sees this vision of dry bones in the midst of a valley. Uh, They were very dry bones. Uh, These weren't dead uh, recently. You know, you can tell the difference between a bone that is, you know, from a skeleton or something that has not been dead for very long. There's still flesh attached to it. Uh, whereas, uh, you see, again, you go walking across a cow pasture, you find an old dried, rotten, you know, dried-out thigh bone of a cow. Uh, it's, it's been dead a very long time. And so uh, they've been exposed to the atmosphere for a long time. And so uh, these bones were dry. they had been dead for a long time. And so uh, the Lord asked Ezekiel a question in verse 3. Uh, and it seems to be an impossibility. He says... Unto me, son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Uh, There was no way for Ezekiel to know. He says, You know, Lord, uh, that God alone knows the answer. Humanly speaking, it was not possible. It's not possible to resurrect a a pile of dead bones. Uh, But Ezekiel answers by saying, That God knows because Ezekiel as a prophet, he he knows that God has the power to do things. And so uh, he's used to the prophecies that he has received and God has asked him other questions like this. And so he he says, Lord, you know. And in verse 4, he is given a command to prophesy. He says again, he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones and saying to them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Again, a, a, a skeleton, a dead body, is not going to be able to hear. Uh, and so it's a very strange thing to be told to speak to these bones, to speak, to speak the word of the Lord to some dead bones, to hear the word of the Lord. It seems like a useless task. But in verses 5 and 6, thus saith the Lord God, Unto these bones. So God has a message to these dead bones. Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live, and ye shall know that I am the Lord. And so here's the prophecy prophecy that they will uh, again become flesh and blood, that they will again uh, receive the breath of life, and they will again be returned unto their land. And so he would bring their bones together in their natural order, would put flesh upon them. He would put breath in them so that they would be alive. You know, when God created Adam From the dust of the ground he was not alive until God breathed into his nostrils. In Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7 it says the Lord God breathed into his nostrils and man became a living soul. And so until God breathed into him the breath of life he was a dead man. He was not a living man. These bones when they have the flesh upon them they are still not living until the breath of God is in them. And then he says, then ye shall know that I am the Lord. When these bones are brought together and given life, this would help them to know that Jehovah was the one who restored them. It was not possible for humans to do this great deed. And so uh, the vision is of these bones coming to life. As we see in verses 7 and 8, so I prophesied... As I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise. And behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above. But there was no breath in them. And so he preaches to the bones, and he hears this great noise, this wind, and these bones rattle together, and they... They uh, they come up as a skeleton. They stand there and the the skin and muscle tissue forms over them. Yet they were not alive. They were not yet alive. And so in verse 9, he is told to prophesy to the wind. Then said he unto me, prophesy unto the wind, prophesy son of man. And say to the wind, thus saith the Lord God, come from the four winds O breath and breathe upon the slain that they may live and so he's commanded to to speak to the wind that the wind would come from all around from every direction and would come upon these people and and, uh, they would live again the breath would come into them again and then verse 10 he says so I prophesied as he commanded me And breath came upon them, and they lived and stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. And so here is this defeated army laying dead in this battlefield for 70 years. Their bones are dry. And he prophesies to them, uh, and they come together. The flesh comes upon them, and he looks out there, and behold, the entire army is now standing. They're ready for battle. And so uh, in verses 11 through 14, uh, the uh, vision of the valley of dry bones then is explained uh, to uh, Ezekiel by the Lord. In verse 11, uh, then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried and our hope is lost and we are cut off uh for our parts, and so remember uh, the the nation of Judah has been in captivity for seventy years. Also, uh, the other tribes. Remember, there were uh, the divided kingdom. Earlier, the the northern kingdom uh, of Israel was carried into the captivity by Assyria. The Assyrian Empire was then conquered by the Babylonian Empire, and so those people that had been carried into Assyrian captivity are now in. Babylonian captivity as well and then the the nation of Judah is brought into Babylonian captivity Uh, and so they're going to come out as one nation Uh, we're not going to look at that today but if you'll read the rest of Ezekiel chapter 37 uh, he receives another prophecy of exactly that happened of both kingdoms being brought together as one and brought out of the land of captivity and so, but for those of the Assyrian exile, uh, it had been hundreds of years. For those of the Babylonian exile, uh, it had been 70 years. And so, uh, the folks there had basically, many had given up that they would ever be brought forth. And so, uh, these dry bones of the valley represent the nation of Israel. They were feeling they would never be able to, to go back to their home. They were cut off and lost, and they felt that they had no hope. And so this vision here is a vision of hope. This prophecy is a prophecy of hope for the nation of Israel. And so in verse 12, he goes on to say, Therefore prophesy and say unto them, to the people of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves and cause you to come out of your graves and bring you into the land of Israel. You know, they were told that God would restore them. He would bring them out of their, their proverbial grave. They felt they were cut off from home forever. They're in the grave. He said, I'll bring you out of the grave. Uh bring you out of this captivity and uh, bring you back alive, and you will return into your land. In verse 13 and 14, it says, And ye shall know that I am the Lord, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves, and shall put my spirit in you, and ye shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall ye know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, saith the Lord. And so when this happens, it will show that God did it. That it was Jehovah that was behind it. There is no way that the people could have done this on their own. They would know His power, and they would know His love, and they would know His law. And we see that this vision was fulfilled. This prophecy was fulfilled in Ezra chapter 1. Uh, Beginning there, uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 4 of Ezra chapter 1. It says, now, in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, remember the Babylonian Empire uh, was later conquered by the Persian Empire, and the Persian emperor uh, Cyrus, who had been prophesied by name by the prophet Isaiah, would... Release the people to go back into their own land. And so notice, in the first year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. Sorry, not Isaiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah. I should have just read the verse. Uh, By the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God, which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts beside the freewill offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And so God had said they would return, and history tells us that the people did return. The decree of Cyrus was signed and and put in writing so that the nation of Israel could return unto Jerusalem and rebuild that temple. And so uh, when the Persians conquered the Babylonians, uh, Cyrus started changing things. He allowed the people to return, to go home to Jerusalem. And so this was a guaranteed restoration that God was proclaiming. He had said they would return, and history tells us that they did. That they did rebuild the temple uh, and the city walls. They never learned again to worship idols. And so uh, we see a great restoration there. These were bones that had been dead and dried in the, in the desert sun for 70 years. And they came back to life. And they lived again. And, and of course that's a picture of, of Israel in captivity. Coming out of that captivity in fulfillment of God's promise. That they would live again. And so what a great vision this was. What a great prophecy this was for the the nation of Israel. But what about us today? What does this vision of the valley of dry bones, what does it mean for us today? It's not a promise or it's not a a direct uh, fulfillment in our day. It has nothing to do, you know, it's direct fulfillment took place uh, in, uh, you know, the 4th century B.C., and so it doesn't apply to us directly, but there are some lessons that we can take from this. Uh, you, know, you know, there are times, spiritually sometimes, when we may see ourselves as scorched and dry bones in a valley. We may think that we are so far gone that we cannot be restored. You know, maybe because of sin. You know, sin takes us and it leaves us in a, a, scorched, uh, a, a scorched bones in the valley, a skeleton. You know, the saying is true. Sin takes a person farther than they meant to go, will cost them more than they meant to pay, and will keep them longer than they meant to stay. You know, sin robs our hearts and our lives of good things and replaces it with ruin and destruction. It leaves us pondering about what might have been. And so we think about sin and what it does to us. It leaves us spiritually dead. Uh, So dead that we cannot be revived except by the power of God. Just like those skeletons could not be revived except by the power of God. And so if you are outside of Christ today and uh, this is a picture of you, of your state, this valley of dry bones. There is no life, there is no hope, there is no promise, there is no future without God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, it says that at that time, ye were without Christ, uh, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. He's talking to a, a group of Gentiles, he's writing to Gentile Christians. In their past, they didn't have Christ, they were not part of Israel, And strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And so, here, uh, even in sin, it leaves us dead, it leaves us dried out as a scorched and dried out skeleton in the desert. But through the power of God, we can be revived. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, we can be restored to life once more, spiritually speaking. And so sin uh, takes us away. Uh, It may leave us uh, spiritually as dry bones in a valley. You know, other times we may find ourselves as dry bones in a valley in our own personal spiritual lives. We may uh, be depressed. We may uh, just feel like the world has overcome us. You know, uh, it may be that we're just not doing the things spiritually that we, we know we ought to do. You know, uh, David found himself in a similar situation in Psalms 51. In Psalms 51, uh, beginning with verse 8... I thought I had those verses on there. All right. Uh, Turn to Psalm 51 then. Psalm 51 beginning in verse 8. David, of course, he's writing this psalm in repentance for the sin that he committed uh, with Bathsheba. And he says, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirits. You know, sometimes we just become depressed, spiritually speaking. It may be because we... uh, uh, reading our Bibles and studying our, our word, the Word of God as we ought to You know we know we ought to read our Bibles But we do it occasionally But only because we think we're supposed to We find Bible study to be more a, jo- a chore than a joy It may be that we come to worship That we, uh, we know our heart is just not in it We sing, we pray, we study but we're just going through the motions. We don't have the desire. It may be that our prayers have grown cold. If we pray, it's because we feel guilt from a particular sin. Or we're about to eat. Our faith is weak, and, and, and so we may feel like praying is useless. It may be that we've lost the passion to grow closer to the Lord. To work on those uh, Christian graces and fruits of the Spirit's. And to talk to others about Christ. And so we just may be depressed spiritually speaking. Sometimes we feel like Israel did there in captivity. Now while we may feel like very dry bones in the valley. Know that there is power for revival. In God and in His word. If we want revival We want a rekindling of our faith and our devotion and and the joy of our salvation as David cried out for. We must frankly recognize the dryness of our bones. We must recognize the need, first of all. The the need for revival. Remember the spirit of the faithful remnant in Babylon. They are depressed. They, They think there is no way to be restored. They were a broken people, led into captivity. Uh, You know, they were proud people when they went into captivity, but they came out a people seeing their need for the Lord. And that's really why they were carried into captivity. They were proud. They didn't think they needed God. They learned in captivity. They learned of their great need. It's one of the the great paradoxes of godliness. If we want to live with a passion for God, a passion for spiritual things, and a passion for serving God, we have to learn to mourn. You know, that's where Jesus begins His great Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 3, He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We're not poor in spirit until we recognize our need. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, how can we uh, be poor in spirit unless we mourn because of our sins? He says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. If we want to live with a passion for God and the things of God, we have to learn to mourn over sin. In James 4 and verse 8, he says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. Purify your hearts, ye double minded. And so we need to recognize that we need revival, we need to recognize our state. The lost need to recognize that they are lost. Uh, You know, the weak have to see themselves as weak. And those caught up in sin have to see their sinfulness. And so it requires total honesty with God and with self. If we want our flesh healed and our bones refreshed, then we have to turn our lives over to the Lord to trust in Him, to have all of Him and submit to Him. And Proverbs chapter 3 verses 5 through 8 says there, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not upon thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. You know, when we find ourselves down in the valley of scorched and dried bones, we need to ask ourselves, can these bones live again? Is there some way that we can be restored? And yes, if we can, if we will let God's word rekindle the fire. And Psalms 37, or Psalms 19 verse 7, says the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul." Uh, The word there translated converting also could carry the idea of revival. And so the English Standard Version uh, uses reviving the soul. Uh, The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And so the word of God can rekindle the fire that we have for serving God. In Psalms 119 verses 49 and 50, it says, They remember the words unto thy servants, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort and my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. God's word, he says, hath made me alive again. Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 7, So I prophesied as I was commanded to prophesy. There was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together bone to bone. God's word has the power to revive us again. Also, uh, we're to not give up. You know, they can live again if we don't give up, if we don't give in. If we don't think that it's it's not worth it. And Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9, it simply says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. We're going to live again, he says, if you don't give up. If you don't give in. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.13 But ye brethren be not not weary in well doing. And so if we don't give up. There is great power. uh, To be restored the power is in God. You know Ezekiel was told to prophesy the word of God. And when he did the bones came to life. Ezekiel did not raise the people from the dead. That was God's work. Ezekiel spoke, but the power was in the Word of God. If Ezekiel had refused to say anything, these bones uh, would still be there. God's Word has the power to change things. And preachers are to preach the, the, the Word because it is the power of God into salvation. It is a, a living thing. The Word of God is a living thing. It is the power of God into salvation, Romans 1.16 it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And Hebrews 4 and verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing, piercing uh, to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, is a, and of the joints and marrows, it is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the hearts. And so the Word of God is powerful. It is active. It is alive. You know, preaching the gospel and responding to the gospel is the only way in order to have that spiritual life once again. You know, uh, the preaching of the Word of God is not foolish as the world thinks it's. You know, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 21, uh, it says, For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that are lost. You know, the world thinks it's foolish, but God knows better. You know, God's Word also, uh, we need to trust it, will accomplish His purpose. In Isaiah 55, beginning in verse 9, down to verse 11, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts, then your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. It shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sentence. And so there is power in the Word. The power is in God. The power is in God's Word to restore us spiritually, to revive us again spiritually. You know, there may be times in our life when we feel we are in a hopeless situation, just like the people uh, felt in captivity in Babylon. We may be like those dry bones, but God can help us to be revived and brought back to life, spiritually speaking. God's Word has the power to move people to motivate them to do His will. You know, in the life of our congregation, you know, there may be times we feel like, you know, we are a a dry and scorched bones in a valley. We may feel as if we are a dead or a dying church. The numbers of the board sometimes may seem to indicate that. But notice uh, Revelation chapter 3, in verses 1 through 6, you know, here, uh, oftentimes, we think about the church of Sardis. You know, we call it the, the living dead church. But notice the words of comfort, the words of encouragement that our Lord gives to this church. It says, unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things saith he that hath um, the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know thy works, that thou hast a name that thou livest, and art dead. Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, I will come on thee as a thief. And thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. Thou hast a few names, even in Sardis, which have not defiled their garments, and they shall walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He that overcometh shall be clothed in white raiment, and I will not blot out his name out of the book of life, but I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Even though uh, we may be spiritually dead as individuals, God can revive us uh, spiritually through His Word. And we can overcome all the things of the world. And we can walk with Him in white raiment. But only if we become a child of God. Only if we put on Christ in baptism. Have our sins washed away in the waters of baptism. Be added unto His church. Uh, then And only then can we be guaranteed uh, of our salvation. Only then can we... Walk with him in whites. If you're here today and you have not obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, if you're here today as one who has but hasn't been living faithful, you also you need to repent to come back. If you're subject to the invitation this morning, let us know by coming forward as together we stand and as we sing.